Welcome back to another episode of the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. Alongside me, as always, is Dylan White, a man who should be celebrated not only for his robot, but also for your performance in fantasy this season, Dylan. I'm going to keep on saying it, man. You've had a hell of a year, so keep on going. How's it going, man? How you doing? Uh, Not bad. It's a heat wave up here in Toronto. I'm sure it's also hot down your way, too. So I'm in the basement right now. Trying to. I have AC, but it's a bit noisy for the podcast. I'm down in the basement where it's a bit cooler and quieter to give the uh, listeners uh, the best audio experience I can. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we talked about it last week, but how are uh, still? Where are you sitting now in the in the tout rankings, and uh, how have you uh, performed in uh, the team that you're co-managing in the the main event? Uh, Tout, I dropped out of first yesterday. Um, I've come on hard times. Matt Chapman, Danny Jansen on the IL. Maybe Otani will go on the IL. Kershaw's Velo's down. So it's a bit of a struggle. But it's me and Andy Barron's right now kind of duking it out at the top. Um, My projections have us like essentially tied (laughs) for for the end of the season. So we'll see how that goes. I'll have to stay on top of it. The uh, main event overall team is clinging to first right now um we uh we're barely ahead <laughs> we've we we lost jojo romero we uh also have uh, lane thomas with back tightness so you mm-hmm. know it's all everything's magnified at this time of year so uh it's a bit a uh, bit anxiety provoking but we're currently in first so it's been a successful year whether we win or not so Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, like tremendous performances. And uh, this is what it's all about. You're in the mix at the end. You know, um, these aren't pushover leagues. You're playing with legends (laughs) in both (laughs) situations, frankly. Um, So, you know, you're going to cement yourself positive affirmations here, but you're going to you're going to cement yourself (laughs) as one of those legends uh, by the end of this September is uh, my prediction. So uh, let's jump into it a little bit. We got uh, Mason Miller. He's actually returning today on Wednesday as we're recording this. Was just activated off the injured list. Um, I think he's going to be limited to 45 to 50 pitches. So, you know, not a ton of fantasy value. I think if you're in maybe a deeper Roto League, I can see an argument for the uh, ratios he could provide in some of these short stints, uh, as well as strikeout potential. He's not going to you know, pitch long enough to qualify for wins, unfortunately, uh, unless he's piggyback, which I don't think is happening, but maybe. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it, it could be a situation where maybe he sneaks into a W or something like that. But I think overall, you got to view him as maybe like a high-end multi-inning reliever, the way that uh, years ago, like Chris Davinsky, when he was in his heyday with the Astros was, or like Dylan Batances or like, you know, Hader or some of these guys before they were in full-time closer roles. Um, just just from the fact that he could boost your ratio ratios quite a bit and he's going to get some strikeouts. Are you, were you saying he is going to be piggybacked? Like the- yeah, I think uh, Mark Kotze was saying to, you know, Saris that he will be a multi-inning reliever, so he will be a oh, follower. Okay. So he may, if he's limited to 50 innings, he may get those like vulture wins. Um, or 50 so, pitches, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what, did, what did I say? 
he said innings, but no. oh, 50 pitches per, per, per outing. So he, he may get those wins. He may come in in you know, the third inning and pitch to the sixth or something. And then okay, if he does as well as the projections say, which is like mid three ZRA, we saw what he did in his brief stint. Like he may, he may uh, get some wins for uh, an Oakland team. That's no longer worse than the league. They're, they're ahead of the Royals. Um, so I actually have him in a couple of leagues. I have him like, I think TGFBI, I have him in uh, an OC, um, and I may roll with him next week, depending on what the other uh, pitchers I have and their matchups are. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I Obviously, I'm hoping he's going to be healthy. I want to see him be healthy going into 2024. I'm very curious to see how he goes, uh, how high he goes in, in drafts. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm glad he's back because I was worried it's going to be TJ for him. Yeah, well, uh, so far, so good. That's me knocking on some wood. Uh, we'll go there. So we talked a little bit about that, what the expectations are. That's uh, interesting information to hear from Kotze. I had uh, I had missed that. But um, let's talk a little bit about some promotions. Uh, we saw promotions by Kyle Teal and Roman Anthony up to AA Portland. Um, that's going to be really interesting. I'm going to try to get up there next week and uh, see both of them for a couple of games at least. And I think that sets up for a really interesting potential super team to start 2024 with um, Marcelo Meyer, Kyle Teal, Roman Anthony, and then others, Blaze Jordan and Wilkeman Garcia, some of these names. Uh, a lot of players that have performed in the Red Sox system are kind of there in Portland right now. They're really interesting. So um, I'm really keeping an eye on this team going into next year. Uh, could be one of the most talented teams coming out of uh, spring training. And uh, – Kind of credit to both Anthony and Teal. Teal obviously has had less time, but has really performed on both sides of the ball and really shown uh, impact type of ability as an athletic catcher with a uh, high-end hit tool and some power projection. And then we have Roman Anthony, who, you know, underlying data I checked again today as uh, we were able to get some updated numbers. Um, really good underlying data, right? I mean, like, doesn't miss in zone, doesn't chase. Uh, the swing and miss, even when you factor in the higher level at high A where there were some strikeouts, still not that bad. I think he's – I actually think he's a guy who his strikeout rate is going to improve as he gets a little bit older, as he moves up the levels, uh, as he gets better strike zones. I bet in AAA with the automatic – with the ABS, his strike zone uh, – his strikeout rate would drop by 7%. Like, not even kidding. He's one of those sort of players where I think he's going to get a lot of calls because he is so patient. And the other part of it, too, is he hits the ball hard consistently. You see that in the average exit velocity. You see that in the barrel rate and the sweet spot rate, that sort of thing. You know, making good quality of contact. His high-end quality of contact is excellent. Um, we're talking about, you know, easy plus, maybe double plus in terms of where the 90th percentile sort of fits in for age and level and all that sort of stuff. Um, Roman Anthony, to me, is one of the more interesting prospects going into this offseason because I do think when all the dust settles, there will be a case that he's a top five prospect. And I don't think that's even crazy. In all of baseball, defense is good. I've gotten really good defensive reports on him in center field recently, uh, you know, on the athleticism, all that sort of stuff. And we know that all the data, everything else, the performance backs it up. Um, yeah, this might be the Red Sox number one prospect. That That's exciting. I mean, I, I always viewed... Anthony kind of like Jackson Merrill where the data is really good, but like the results haven't really been like kind of matching that level of underlying data. But now, you know, Anthony is starting to to do very well. I, I took a look at Kyle Teal's data too. Like his, his contact rate is great. His, his barrel rates pretty good. His, his 
90th percentile exit velocity isn't so bad either. Like, uh, it is exciting. And, and that Portland team you're talking about, I think Nick York's there too, right? And uh, Blaze Jordan. So that's uh, that's quite a team. I don't know how long they'll be together in 2024. I'm sure there'll be quick promotions to AAA. But uh, yeah, that Portland team is very exciting and uh, kind of jealous that you're going to go check them out soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, I get both of them in the lineup both times that I head out there. Uh, otherwise, that will be a long drive for nothing. Um, but we'll go from there, you know. Um, so, yeah, some interesting players there. Definitely uh, positive stuff in the Red Sox system. Um, Wyatt Langford to double A. Um, he's joining the rush of uh, high-end draftees who have gone to double A. Paul Skeens has gone to double A and then been shut down. Dylan uh, Cruz <laughs> is up at double A right now. Uh, and I think that's it. Is there anybody else that I'm missing that uh, that has made a double A jump? Obviously, we said Kyle Teal already. Uh, not that I can think of offhand. Mm, well, no one Shanuel, of course, but he's in the major leagues. <laughs> 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 so that's a little bit of a different story. Um, Holiday to AAA is another interesting one. We'll talk about that in a second. But wanted to ask you first, before we get into Holiday, because I think there's a a question that I'm going to I'm going to pose to you here with Langford that I think applies maybe to Cruz to a degree as well but I think it's more likely we see Langford break camp. I don't think either of them will break camp, okay? I think that's a bit of a hot take, all right? I think he's going to be back at Double A to start next year and could be up in June. But let's say Wyatt Langford gets an invite to Major League Camp. Wyatt Langford crushes. Looks like one of the five or six best hitters in a really good Rangers lineup that has four or five really good hitters already, right? Um, maybe more. Where are you placing him in first year? Excuse me. Where are you placing him in redraft next year? If there is a chance, if he Jordan Walkers in, sp in spring training and he's hanging around and there is a chance this guy breaks camp, we know the Rangers are going all in. They want to win. Uh, they want to win that division. They know it's very competitive with Seattle and Houston out there. Every game counts. Lankford has a chance of breaking camp. We think it's going to happen. We'll say it's 90% sure. Where are you ra ranking Wyatt Lankford in redraft for next year? How aggressive would you be when you've seen how rookies have performed this year? Wow. Uh, I think I would put Lankford kind of where Jordan Walker was going. I think they're, they kind of have similar statistical profiles, like 25 plus home runs with, you know, pretty good speed uh offensive potential through the wazoo i mean just looking at langford's underlying data i think his data is actually better than his results so projection systems like steamer or the bat or whatever that are that are just running off of what he's doing in in double a or high a um maybe underselling what his potential is so i would have langford where where was walker being drafted like a eighth round or something like that tenth round I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, maybe. I think I think it was within the top 100 picks. You know, at the height of it, um, when I was down there in uh, in March doing my labor draft, which was a very unfortunate. I didn't realize it was a massacre at the time, but apparently it was based on my record. <laughs> um, Jordan Walker was the hot topic. I mean, he had hit two home runs that that day, uh, while me and a lot of other folks uh, that were from the fantasy industry were in attendance and um, really put him to show and was getting every opportunity and, and and yeah i think he was within inside the top 100 picks for sure um and i want to say that he went for maybe like 17 or 18 dollars in that auction uh, which wasn't cheap frankly 
So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Where does I, I think Langford, I think you could see him inside the top 100 picks. I think people get caught up in the potential like that for sure. I, I think, think I might do it too. <laughs> I might too. I mean, Walker has had a pretty good season this year. Um, like as quiet as it is, and maybe he's being overshadowed by some of the other kind of rookies or whatever, but uh, he's had a solid year, which kind of validates like the, the, the selection. Um, and so just like you were saying how the, the rookies have been producing this year, like I don't have Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson, all these guys, Jordan Walker on my teams, O'Neill Cruz. I missed out on like some of the guys like Neto and McLean, Matt McLean, Ellie Dela Cruz in, in my redrafts. And I'm like, I'm regretting not having at least one of them, but uh, your fan graphs is being slow for me coming up, but I want to read out Walker's stats that they're, they're, uh, they're selling your fan graphs is down. It's not happening. Um, definitely worth picking up, I think. And Lankford being on the Rangers, it's like Corey Seager and Marcus Semien, Nathaniel Lowe, full season of Josh Young, and then even Mitch Garver and John Heim. Like that's an incredible offensive lineup. Adolis Garcia. Um, yeah. Arguably even better than the Cardinals that where Walker was playing um, this year. So, yeah, I think he's definitely a a pick that even if he doesn't break camp, that he will be up in the season, I, I believe. And uh, I think definitely uh, someone I'd be targeting. Yeah. So finally, Jordan Walker's numbers have popped up. WRC yeah, plus one twenty three, one twenty three WRC plus. 23% above average, 280 batting average, 345 OPP, 15 home runs, six stolen bases, and fewer than uh, 400 plate appearances. So that's, you know, like a 22-10 pace uh, at 600. Assuming he plays the whole year. Obviously, the defense is lacking, but um, that's a, that's an argument for Langford there, too, because his defense should be better than Jordan Walker in the outfield. So, um, yeah, that's a very interesting uh, question that I hadn't, po- hadn't thought of, and now I'm thinking I will take them uh, in redraft next year. And uh, on to the next question that's in a similar line of thinking, Jackson Holiday, uh, you know, potential player of the year, front runner, I would say for us right now. I think he has a pretty strong case. I don't think too many folks would probably disagree with me on that one. Um, he's now up in AAA. So now Norfolk, of course, they were in Worcester down the road for me last week. There were, you know, a lot of players I had already seen. Um, it was kind of a week where I was staying home. Had Jackson Holiday been promoted a week earlier, I would have been there every day. I just want to make that statement. <laughs> um, I think this guy is trending toward potentially breaking camp with the Orioles next year. He's in AAA already. He's going to finish the season for pretty much a month in AAA. Um, has conquered every level. He really hasn't slowed down all that much. There's more impact to come with this guy. He's going to get stronger. You know, I talked, we talked about this, you know, JJ and I on air today a little bit uh, on the hot air, uh, the hot air show, the hot <laughs> podcast. It is a hot air show when it's Josh and I, not with JJ's on, but when it's Josh and I, it is hot air. But um, that being said, like, I don't see any reason this guy couldn't potentially break camp next year. He's so polished as a hitter. There's more power to come. He does so many little things well, and he gives them this dynamic leadoff hitter spark plug that's just ready to roll. And I think like he's so mature, you know, I sat down with this guy, we had conversations around him a little bit at the all-star break and, you know, he just, he, 
he comes off like he's a 30 year old man. He's just very much a professional. Obviously he grew up in a baseball family with his father, his uncle, his grandfather. He's been around all of it. Nothing's too big. And I just think he's ready. And I think that the Orioles at a point where number one, he's going to be cheaper than going out and signing a free agent provides them an everyday option at shortstop. If they look to go that direction or second base or wherever they feel he fits in and, you know, allows them to look forward to the future and maybe allows them to trade some of these additional middle infielders that they have. They have many for some pitching upgrades, which kind of puts them into that upper echelon. When they perform that way, I think we're still all waiting for them to really like kick it into sixth gear and step on the gas and floor it, and you know, into, uh, you know, dynasty super super stratosphere of of great teams all time they have the ability to do that especially with the backbone of players that they have you know um they have a franchise catcher already it's like you know grayson rodriguez is starting to produce they've been able to pick up a lot of great arms and produce a great bullpen just a matter of like getting that one or two guys so i feel like that can happen but got off on a tangent there but that being said jackson holiday does the same thing he goes into camp next year which i'm sure he will and he rakes. He looks like one of the one of the Orioles' best hitters. Everyone's saying this guy's going to be their leadoff hitter from day one. Where do you draft Jackson Holiday? And I do think this is a format-specific question. I think in your standard 5x5 five five roto, he is value. I think an OBP of points, this is a guy that potentially could be like a major difference maker, even before the power numbers start to go bananas, I think, when he's 25, 26, and he starts to add that man muscle. Uh, a lot, lot to unpack there. So I think for, for the first thing, I think there's a high chance he will break camp. I think if I'm the Orioles, you don't need Holiday to be incredible because you have, like you said, Adley Rutschman, you got Gunnar Henderson, you've got a Grayson Rodriguez. You have a solid core where you're not reliant on this guy being your your franchise guy, and so you don't you don't need to handle him with kid gloves to make sure you don't blow his his development path. Um, if he was on, say, the Oakland Athletics, then like you know, you'd be scrutinizing every move to make sure you're doing it properly. So you you know you bring him along at the ideal ideal way. The Orioles they don't need him to do well, so they can they can bring him up, they can bury him at the seventh in the batting order, and to, and gradually bringing him higher in the order as he produces. Um, you can you can kind of play him however you want, and uh, th- there's no real downside. I feel um, so I can definitely see him breaking camp um i don't have him in any dynasty league so i regret saying that out loud um how he'll do um i think probably he'd be in the in the white langford range for me assuming white langford's killing it in, in spring training in that scenario um i don't think he will go lower than that I, so there's a high chance that i i may not be able to draft jackson holiday because i think he I could easily see him going in, you know, top five rounds, top six rounds, someone who can do power and speed and a great lineup for the Orioles and a winning team. Um, He'll be very popular if if it looks like he's going to break camp out of spring training. So um, I I tend to be conservative. Like I just said, in all my other leagues, I don't really have any rookies. Um, I will have to take a a close look at at the decision-making I, I, had done up to this point to, to lead to that to not having any rookies. Um, but I just feel that there's going to be someone more aggressive than me for Jackson holiday. Um, like I said, the Orioles don't really need him. So they, they may not bring him up. 
Um, they may slow play him. They may have him weighed down in the order because they don't need him. Um, and that may be something that I just can't, you know, use early round draft capital on. And so um, I may take more of a, a wait and see approach. And if he falls to me and then the eighth or ninth, then maybe I'd take him then. How about you? Are you would you take him early? Yeah, I think I would get pretty aggressive with him because I think the thing that he's going to provide, um, particularly like in points leagues, is I think like just the all-around production and the lack lack of strikeouts. Um, it's like Stephen Kwan is super valuable in my 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 head-to-head points leagues. So he's not typically the kind of guy that I would draft in a five-by-five roto or like a, a five-by-five with OBP switched out for average. Um but when you get to those points formats, like guys like that strikeouts a little. And the thing with Holiday is he actually has some power and speed. So like I feel it, and he and he could play multiple positions in the infield. I mean, like he could be a guy. Like we could sit here a year from now and be like, Jackson Holiday has second base, shortstop, third base eligibility, and hit you know two ninety with you know a three eighty five OBP and you know sixteen home runs, seventeen home runs, and 32 stolen bases and like a hundred runs scored. Like, I feel like he is a guy in across all formats. It's going to be really valuable, but he's someone that I would be more aggressive on more so than like Lankford, who we just talked about just because I think the well-roundedness of his game is really conducive to a variety of scoring facts formats, including like standard five by five roto still. Like I don't want to discount him there. I just think that he could be like a points league superstar. Like this could be, you know, a top five player or 500 point type of score in your standard CBS point scoring sort of format. So um, Holiday's a guy that I think, uh, you know, he, he maybe doesn't have like the loudest power. And I think some people maybe um, downgrade him a little bit in their rankings if like they're more data driven. Um, when you really look at it, the totality of his contributions are really, really valuable. And I think that's that's where he makes it the difference and he's fast enough with enough power and the underlying plate skills that I think he'll hit the ground running and um, he'll be really valuable. And by the middle of the summer might really, you know, start hitting on all cylinders. That's enough for my, my car analogies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have no question in my mind that Jackson holiday will be like a round one, round two perennially draft pick. I don't know if it's maybe next year um, that he'll be putting up numbers that, um, approach that as a 20 year old for the entire season um i just i I, i'm a bit more conservative on what i expect his performance to be i could see you know 15 15 with a 280 average i could see that easily for him next year um and so that that you know that that type of performance is where i would be drafting him obviously with the upside to be higher yeah i just think like the his ability to fit into that leadoff role and like be there for 10 years (laughs) you know like they need that and i think that he's a piece that fits in very well to like what that offense needs to maybe even take like that that next step you know um because like with him and like you have mullins hitting two like whatever you know adley three gunner four santander like you start going down that lineup and all of a sudden you're like all right like that really sets the table for a lot of good young players. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about a couple more promotions and, uh, you know, sort of some, some general call-ups, a general uh, topic as well. Uh, We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, and we are back. Uh, we're still talking some more promotions here late in the season. We've seen a lot of that stuff moving up. I think as September call-ups happened, it kind of had a chain reaction, um, you know, up the ladder of, you know, players getting moved up levels to fill in for players who were promoted up levels, et cetera, et cetera, you know. It's a seesaw. Um, Sebastian Walcott promoted to high A. Uh, there's certainly some swing and miss concerns with Walcott. Uh, but I think overall, when you consider, you know, age and, and all that sort of stuff, um, just a really exciting player, um, huge upside here. But there is obviously some some hit tool risk as well. Um, high A was a, a pretty big jump, but I think it kind of makes sense, I believe, because of like playoffs and stuff like that. Good environment. So um, what are your thoughts on on this jump for Walcott? It was uh, a little bit un- unexpected, I think. Yeah, I think it's aggressive. I think he did slow down um, at the previous levels. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's like keep giving him reps. Obviously, they, they think he's going to be a superstar. Um, so they're being aggressive with him. Um, just looking at the data again, like I was uh, first thing I got, uh, I looked at when I got that data was to take a look at, you know, some of the FYPD guys so like Dylan Cruz. Although, you know, Walcott did play at, at much lower levels. And so his aggregate, um, like in zone width percentage, is kind of maybe artificially elevated by like complex league, for example. Um, yep. His in zone width percentage is better than Dylan Cruz. Um, so I'm not trying to say that you know it's his swing and miss concerns are over overstated, but uh, you know it's not that bad um, in aggregate. So I mean he's 17, maybe he's 18 now, but this is his age 17 season. Like this is. Like when you took him in that first round or second round of that uh, that mock prospect draft, like I I don't think I mean it was aggressive, but I don't think you're you're looking foolish at all in any way. He is definitely going to be uh, a superstar in the majors, I believe. 
Um, I think he just has to work on the chase. He's young enough to do that. Um, the fact he's in high A is just kind of blowing my mind. Um, yeah, not, I think not... if it if it wasn't for Ethan Sal, he is still seventeen. He's actually seventeen. He turned seventeen in March, Dylan. Oh, wow. uh, he has a March fourteenth birthday, so he's right in that range. Is like uh, Cheerio, Painter, Yuri, Vlad Guerrero. I'll have like March, early April birthdays because it's always like I remember like as the new season starts is right as they turn a new age. So he's not eighteen until next March. So like, <laughs> he's very seventeen. Um, he's not supposed to be here. No, Ethan Salas was so out of this world. He wasn't supposed to be here. Same thing with Walcott. Walcott's not supposed to be here at this point. And even the complex, he was young. Even the even the Arizona Complex League, he was one of the youngest players there. So like. I think when you started to put that all into perspective, the performance is like, all right, like, you know, much, much stronger. But I think the thing is with him is it's just the thing that jumps from the underlying numbers. He's got a 120. I don't know if the 120 max exit velocity is legitimate or not. It might be. He's got a 106, 90th percentile, high barrel rate. The angles are good. He gets to the sweet spot. And as you said, the chase, the miss, all that sort of stuff, it's not really that bad. No, not at all. And he's 17. His 90th percentile is 106, and he's 17. Like, even if that that max 120 is is a miss misread, like they did they weren't wrong on the other 10% of his of his hits. So like he definitely generates incredible power. Um, like you said, the launch angles are good, the hard launch angles are good, the pull launch angles are good, like he's not. Yeah, pulling them into the ground or anything. So like he's got it all there. It's just a matter of can he hit the secondaries consistently? Can he not chase? And how will he do against advanced pitching? And I mean, if you're only 17, um, you're going to probably do quite well. Yeah, I, I'm really willing to get aggressive on guys like this. The same with Ethan Solace, who I think's probably done. I think they said he's done for the year with a knee injury. Was shut down on Saturday, so this probably ends his season, which is perfectly fine. I mean, he is. What I mean, a, a year for the ages, just in terms of what he's accomplished this year at the age that he was, the levels he was assigned to, getting into a major league game in spring training kind of foreshadowed all that we would see from him. But just a really impressive year. I think the bat is worlds better than we had even expected when he had signed less than a year ago. This guy has been a professional. As an international player, he's been a professional for less than a year and has already made his way up to double a which is just remarkable that's the only kind of thing you'd see from a 23 24 year old cuban player or something you know um not someone you expect from a 16 17 year old so i don't think there's anything else we have to add there really on solace um another topic i want to bring up to you because this guy has taken such a massive step forward this year and I think this trade, when it happened, kind of went under the radar. But Cole Reagans to the Royals, Reagans is looking like a potential ace and a guy that you would take within the top 15 pitchers, starting pitchers off the board next year. Like that's how he's looked. I don't know if he's going to be that, but I think this is somebody I'm, I'm all in on. I watched the last two starts and I think it was a stat I sent over to you or something like he's the first Royals pitcher in history or something uh, to take two starts, consecutive starts into the fifth inning with a perfect game or into the sixth inning with a perfect game or fifth, fifth inning with a perfect game. So 
it just goes to show, I mean, he's been dominant. And uh, he's really interesting because I believe he has starting pitcher, relief pitcher eligibility, and will hold that into next season, which in a lot of points leagues, once again, really big difference maker. And I love the flexibility. I love roster flexibility, you know. Jeff Ponce on my tombstone, right? Loved roster flexibility in fantasy baseball. So what do you think about Reagans? I don't know if you've dug in at all. Uh, I, I I have one. I have one one share. I have I have no Cole Riggins anywhere. Um, he popped on the radar when he was throwing ninety nine or whatever. I think still in the Rangers as a relief pitcher this year. Uh, he went to the Royals and that Aroldis trade. Um, did really well in the first start. Then just before the Fab period, where we could get him in, in like NFBC formats, his start he, his velo is actually down and slightly. And so I was worried and, and trigger shy from seeing that with Matthew Liberator. Uh, Chris Bubich has scarred me as well. And so I, I lowered my bid and so I don't have them. So I, I have, I, I have missed out on Cole Reagans. He, I have an in season spreadsheet where I kind of track uh, pitchers to help me make my, uh, my decisions. And I have him as the third best pitcher rest of season now. Um, Freddie Peralta, Spencer Strider, then Cole Reagans, um, Brandon Woodruff, uh, just to peek behind the curtain at, at what my spreadsheet says. So, I mean, he's going to be Who are the top three? Uh, Freddie Peralta, Spencer Strider, and Cole Reagans. I That's nailed that, Freddie. That was my best call of the offseason. I should have gotten more Freddie Peralta because uh, I was all over him. I was I was pounding the table. He was uh, my underrated guy, and uh, he's been great, but I didn't draft him enough. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, going into like I've seen debates of like who do you want in dynasty, Grayson Rodriguez or Cole Reagans? I've seen like how high is he going to be picked in redraft? Like you just said, top fifteen. I don't. It's it's everything is there. I I get it. One one thing I want to say is um, his last three opponents have not been the greatest. I think it's like White Sox, Pirates. um, Can't remember the other one, but it's like their WRC plus on the year are like 86, 86 and 81 from what I remember. So he's had a bit of a, um, he hasn't had the toughest competition. So that's just one thing to say. Obviously what he's doing is incredible. Um, I do like him. I, I just, I, I, I'm a bit worried that, uh, like, I don't know if he's a top 10 pitcher for 2024. Um, obviously I, I'm the type of person who wants to see more of a track record before I make that type of, uh, you know, draft capital investment, but uh, it's remarkable and it's going to be fascinating. It's probably going to be the fascinating story going into 2024 drafts. And then of course there are going to be so many articles about who find the next Cole Reagan. Who's the 2025 Cole Reagan, um, 2024 Cole Reagan. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I totally understand the aggressiveness. Uh, I, I, people who have them ride it out. This is incredible. Maybe he's the next Spencer Strider. I'm a bit uh, conservative on that before I start, you know, putting that that moniker on him. Let me uh, let me throw another random topic out to you. I'm putting you on the spot with this one. Looking at the top five, we'll say it stays the same in FYPD. We'll we'll remove any foreign-born professional players from this conversation for now. Okay, who's your number six? I know we had we had Matt Shaw. I've heard some people throw a bunch of names out there. Um, 
I've heard people throw out Kyle Teal. I've heard people throw out Cole Emerson, frankly, uh, as the next guy up. So I want to ask you, who's sort of your number six right now? Is it any of those guys? Um, is there another player that maybe I didn't bring up, a Tommy Troy, someone like that? Maybe it's Nolan Shanuel. Maybe you like the certainty of Shanuel and the overall plate skills. And the, the lack of power doesn't concern you as much because you feel you're going to make it up in other places and get immediate returns and that maybe the power begins to come by the time these other guys are ready for the major leagues. Is it, you know, I, I guess like I'm kind of interested, like who, where are you going right now? Where is your heart? Is there a guy that you have in your head after five? I know it's Shaw for me. I've made that point a few times in recent podcasts, but wasn't sure if you had one. I think it's Shaw. I do think it's Shaw. He uh, he's sort of like the highest after the top five in Robo Scout. Um, I'll have to take a deeper look at the underlying uh, Statcast stuff, but uh, I do think it's Matt Shaw. I thought your question was going to be if Colt Reagans was available in NFYPD, where would you take him in the top five? Take him one. <laughs> would you take him one? I I'll take him. Yeah, I I uh, I don't shy away from doing stuff like that, and I think like the thing with Reagans for me is. I feel like he was a highly touted pitching prospect at one point. Um, you know, he got draft capital, etc. I almost feel like with Reagan's that this is like the perfect time. Like you get this guy after he's gone through everything else. He's kind of materialized. He kind of looks like, you know, the fully formed, like he's, he's, he's out of the oven at the right time. It's the right cake. It's the right recipe. It's the right mix. Everything's there. You, you finally nail the recipe and it takes a while and then it's like, all right, give me, give me two or three good years, you know, um, versus Skeens, who's been shut down. They're working on some pitch development with him. I think like with Cruz and, and Langford, as much as I like those guys, and they could contribute next year, we could be talking about a guy that's taking that next step forward. And it's often a pitcher like this that does this. It like, you know, hitting is much easier to predict, I feel. The prospects that are good hitters in the minors that produce the high-end hitters. You look at our top of our list of recent years. The high-end hitters, those guys turn turn out to be pretty high-end players almost universally. There's very few busts for the hitter side of things. Um, you know, Kelnick is really the only one that sticks in my brain. And at least recent, recent years. And then you look at pitchers, and it's such a crapshoot. You know, there's so much that can go wrong. Andrew Payne looked like a shoo-in. And it's like, he's down for probably two years. You know, we're not going to see Andrew Payne until 2025. You know, and it's like, all right, like this could still happen. There's so much uncertainty until they're up and performing. And even when they're up, you sometimes got to do the Grayson Rodriguez thing and get your teeth kicked in for, you know, 10 starts or eight starts or whatever it is. And then go back down, make an adjustment and then figure it out. That happened to Jose Barrios too. So I feel like you're kind of through the weeds. This is like the right time to be buying in on this guy. And I think that the market doesn't quite ever know how to price these guys when it's a second half breakout going into the offseason. Look at Justin Steele. I think Reagan's stuff is way better than Justin Steele's, but Justin Steele in my 30-team dynasty league, I did the, the calculations because the playoffs started this Monday. Justin Steele's our Cy Young winner. He is the top earning pitcher in my 30-team uh, uh, Roto League. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was going to be Strider, whatever, here we go. And it's Justin Steele. So I think that goes to show you that, like, 
sometimes like the market didn't know how to how to price steel. I think steel was a little bit harder to buy into because the stuff wasn't crazy, even if he was a lefty, et cetera, et cetera. Reagan's going to be easier to buy into. I still don't think the market's going to price him correctly in that. You're still going to buy him now, pay a hefty price, and then by August the next year, it's going to look like a steal because he could be he could be a top 10 pitcher. I think he can take that step, maybe top five. I mean, as you said, he's, he's already performing like one right now. Um, so it's just a matter of health. You know, I don't care where they are. We've seen great pitchers on bad teams before. Yeah, I, I'm everything you're saying completely makes complete sense. Like I missed out on, on Shane McClanahan because again, I was kind of like skeptical. And yeah, I know now that he had the Tommy John, maybe, you know, it's it's he's not a great example of being able to get in on the ground floor, but that's the type of person that uh, you know, I'm skeptical on and then they they end up being like the top dynasty pitcher in the league or whatever. Uh, I was slow on Spencer Strider, uh, Zach Gallen, even though, you know, RoboScout was saying Zach Gallen was incredible that year, uh, dominating in AAA. I can't remember the year, but, you know, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like his pedigree isn't so great. You know, I want to see more. And of course you miss out on it. So, you know, you may be 100% correct. That this is the time. This is the only window you're going to have for Cole Reagans for the next four or five years. Um, but I'm just I'm I I can't trade like a, a Corbin Burns for him or a, a Grayson Rodriguez even or Aaron Nola I, I I would not trade for Cole Reagans um, in a dynasty league so I'm uh, I'm 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 skeptical I I hope he does really well and I'm sure I will look foolish um, as I often do but uh, it's 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 difficult for me to to take the huge plunge on uh, on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? I, I was going to throw out one last thing with like best September call-ups. I don't know if you have any names that come to mind. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this as we've already got 40 minutes. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any of these uh, these players that have been called up over the last week or two that um, you're keeping an eye on, streaming, maybe made some waiver claims on, um, and have some excitement about maybe maybe Jason Dominguez. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Jason Dominguez, I missed out on an on, on FBC. Ronnie Mauricio, who I like just as much as Dominguez, probably I also missed out on. I think someone who could come up still, Jordan Lawler, I think we're waiting on. Maybe Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, Kyle Lanzardo might even come up. All three of those could come up. I'm uh, I'm not sure if they will. I'm not holding out hope that they will. Um, I probably want to see Jordan Lawler come up. I'm not really sure why the Diamondbacks are are waiting. I mean, they're they're fighting for that wild card, and I think you know get Jordan Lawler up and maybe move Perdomo to third or or something. I don't know. Um, I can't imagine why they wouldn't call him up, try to get the best best uh, team on the field, best lineup on the field, especially in a, in a playoff hunt. But uh, yeah. I think he's he's probably the one that I'm most curious about. Not bad. I wanted to. Uh ask myself i haven't uh i haven't ventured or waded into those waters too much my competitive teams right now are uh like a 12 team head-to-head where i have limited moves a 30 team league where i'm in the uh i'm in the head-to-head playoffs we played roto for the entire season and in september we do a, a like a 12 team like you know sort of modeled after mlb uh playoffs that you set up so that's a lot of fun um but uh and my streaming, 
like my my one team is like a 12 team daily moves and i'm streaming like i have a lot of hitters and there's just so many guys that are established major leaguers that are available on that wire that it's just i mean i'm not typically going to the young hot you know startup guy yet so we'll see but uh still a few weeks left we'll see what happens could be some more call-ups that happen too especially as the playoffs end maybe some guys getting some late season games a start here or there should be exciting but uh dylan thanks for joining me everyone out there thanks for tuning in i'm jeff ponce this has been the baseball america fantasy podcast Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.